Isaiah chapter 50. The Lord God has given me the tongue of a teacher, that I may know how to sustain the weary with a word. Morning by morning he wakens my ear to listen as those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious. I did not turn backwards. I gave my back to those who struck me, and my cheeks to those who pulled out the beard. I did not hide my face from insult and spitting. The Lord God helps me, therefore I have not been disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. Who are my adversaries? Let me confront them. It is the Lord God who helps me. Who will declare, declare me guilty? This is the word of the Lord. A reading from the Gospel according to Mark. When they were approaching Jerusalem at Bethpage and Bethany, near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Just say this. The Lord needs it, and will send it back here immediately. They went away and found a colt tied near a door outside in the street. As they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, What are you doing untying the colt? They told them what Jesus had said, and they allowed them to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Then he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. May the words of my mouth and the thoughts of our hearts be now and always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Perhaps the most notable thing about Mark's version of this story is how anticlimactic it could appear to the casual observer. All the excitement of the parade, the crowd chanting, the road strewn with coats and branches, it all leads up to, well, nothing much. Jesus goes in the temple, looks around, and then returns to Bethany. He's not even staying in the centre of Jerusalem during Passover, but because it gets so crowded, he's staying with the twelve in one of the villages outside the city walls. Whatever the disciples expected to happen, and whatever the crowds expected, just didn't happen. Their expectations and Jesus' agenda seem worlds apart. In fact, 
despite the impression a cursory reading of today's gospel reading could give, there's an enormous amount going on here. In fact, when you stop and think about it, we are there in the story, and it's a struggle that continues to this day. Even if it's hard to imagine being in a chaotic crowd scene at the moment, unless you've been going on those illegal protests recently. Let's start with our Old Testament reading from Isaiah. The person we hear describing themselves as teacher seems to be someone who will come and lead the people of Israel. In that person, the Israelites also see that they collectively need to turn to God, return from exile and rebuild their relationship with him. We heard in our Isaiah reading, the Lord God helps me, therefore I have not been disgraced, therefore I have set my face like flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Many of Jesus' followers would have been familiar with this passage, and they were desperate for a figure to lead them out of oppression, to build a new future, drawing upon their knowledge of scripture to find such hope. Such a teacher, leader, prophet, would have God at his side, and surely this must mean victory. But had those throwing down their coats and palms stopped to really understand what Jesus meant? Or were they just looking for a regime change, which would make their lives more tolerable? At this stage, are we open to the shocking, radical generosity of Jesus? Of course, we know what happened next. But if we had been Jesus' followers at this time, what would victory have looked like in our eyes, in our hearts? Had we learnt and understood Jesus' teachings? Or would we have been stuck alongside many where our own interests continue to cloud our judgment? Jesus knew what lay ahead, that in a few days the crowds would be crying for his blood. But caught up in the crowd's euphoria and worship of a new king, this isn't what they were anticipating. Their agenda is a revolution that will sweep away one empire and replace it with a new empire? Jesus' agenda is a revolution that will replace empires altogether with a humanity in which everyone is included. Their agenda is to use God to legitimise their vision of a better future. Jesus' agenda is to realise the divine love that lives in every person. It seems the crowd are thinking of kingship in the terms of Simon Maccabeus, an heroic figure who defeated Antioch, a ruler who sought to impose Hellenic ways, Greek thinking and tradition, upon Palestine. We can read the whole story of the struggle between Antioch and Maccabeus in the first book of Maccabees. But it's poignant that after Jerusalem had been restored to Jewish rule, 
the people entered it with praise and palm branches because a great enemy had been crushed and removed from Israel. The story is still celebrated in the Jewish festival of Hanukkah. Many commentators say that Jesus' procession wasn't likely to have been the only one entering Jerusalem around this time. While he rode through the crowds from the east, on the opposite side, Pilate, governor of Judea, entered from the west. Jesus would have known that it was pretty standard for the Roman troops to come and police major Jewish festivals. So the fact that each came into Jerusalem from different sides was highly symbolic and the ultimate collision course was set. When you allow yourself to really start digesting this, there's a sickening tension here. It's an uncomfortable and challenging, but appropriate place to stop and dwell a while before the events of Holy Week start to unfold. So, at the end of the day, after all the excitement, nothing appears to happen. The expectations of the crowd are not realised. But this is a pivotal moment. This is the beginning of the end, where the crowd's boisterous cheering starts to fade to disappointment and ultimately to anger. It's fine to have great expectations, but what happens when our expectations go unmet? Do we turn our thoughts and actions to those of vengeance? Or does it cause us to consider whether they were misguided, selfish or shallow in the first place? Prayerful reflection should be our reaction, but we know that it's not always easy when we feel embittered, like we've lost a situation we wanted to turn out differently. Of course, true faith is trusting in God and not telling God how we would like matters resolved and then doubting when it doesn't work out as we hoped. Jesus remained faithful even in the Garden of Gethsemane with the sweat of mental agony pouring down his face. He was prepared to do what had to be done. As we enter Holy Week, we should try to find ourselves in the story. Let the hurt and pain be real as we remember loved ones that we miss. As we recall times of humiliation and regret, let's offer them to God. Be honest enough to cry out to God for the times when it felt that he wasn't with us. As we look at Christ in the story, we pray that we might increase our own humility, patience, and sheer courage. That in dark times we may find God there suffering and working with us, sustaining and comforting us. The struggle of Holy Week is a choice between that which had to use force to protect its values and way of life, its wealth and privilege, and a battle for hearts, minds and souls through teaching, acts of love and self-sacrifice. 
If we can accept that we are here by God's grace, already part of his eternal kingdom, then we can be open, generous, and not take ourselves too seriously. Whatever our circumstances, we can appreciate the beauty of creation and find much to be thankful for as God starts to feel closer. This is the story of Palm Sunday, and this is our story. By immersing ourselves in these events, we can make space to reflect on our own life choices, holding close all we know to be good, and having hearts open to the change that Christ yearns for us. Amen. True and humble King, hailed by the crowd as Messiah, grant us the faith to know you and love you, that we may be found beside you on the way of the cross, which is the path of glory. Amen.